0: You're listening to Ask Dr. Gray Pre-Med Q&A. Ask Dr. Gray Pre-Med Q&A brought to you by Blueprint MCAD. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great. How are you?
0: I'm wonderful. What can I help you
1: with? Uh, I just want to say it's a huge honor to be talking to you. Um, But So my big question is, where do I go from here and should I give up? And I'll be looking, because I kind of made notes, so my eyes will be kind of reminding me. No worries. Uh, Just quick context. Um, From the start, I was a non-trad. I applied in the 2016 cycle. That that was my first time applying. Okay. Um, After working as a scribe for a couple of years, I did get one interview, but I know I bombed it now. (laughs) Um, At the time, I wasn't really sure exactly what I did wrong, but now I really. Um, know what I did wrong Um, and so I decided to just take some time Um, I applied for an MPH program um, got into that so I started that Um, I graduated with that in 2019 um, and then I wanted to take some time before kind of going down that track again to do another dream of mine which was to be a professional performing artist and coach and so I started doing that and then I also got married in 2019 and was doing really well. And we decided that we wanted to try for our first child. And um, I was gonna still gig and perform while I was pregnant and then COVID happened. Um, So I had a COVID baby and, but still med school was like always in the back of my mind. But I knew I wanted to kind of be there with my baby for like maybe the first year. Okay. Um, And then I was also diagnosed with ASD um, in 2021, so I'm a late diagnosed autistic neurodivergent person. Okay. <laughs> and um, so I was like, I'm going to focus on studying for the MCAT, be with my kid, can't really do anything anyways, because everything's closed down. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I volunteered and did virtual shadowing when I could. Um, and after I took the test, I started becoming a crisis volunteer um, through like the, the text crisis call line. Um, super hopeful. I bought both your books, read them like cover to cover, (laughs) uh, watched a ton of your videos, did a mock interview with mapped. Um, and I felt like I was, you know, ready. And my husband tragically died from suicide on Mm. September 23rd, 2022. Sorry. And yeah, it was, so yeah, it's a huge shock to everyone. Um, yeah two days later I received an uh, interview invite to, you know, interview and at U of a um, Tucson Mm -hmm. and the interview was two days after his funeral. And everyone's like, don't do it. Like, (laughs) that's crazy. Like why are you going to, you know? And, but in my mind, I was like, for like almost two years, I've been like trying to do this and it's been my dream forever. So trying to be succinct, but (laughs) sorry, having a hard time. Um, I felt like I did really well. I didn't mention my husband. Um, I, I honestly really do feel like I was able to just zone in and do really well. And then I still ended up not getting in. Okay. <clears throat> so I'm 33 now. Um, now a solo parent, she's three now. Okay. And I'm just like, what, like, where do I go from here? Um,
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah overarching question (laughs) where where do i go i have a lot of questions but like yeah Yeah. um like where like where do you want to go like it's been a dream of mine since i was an undergrad like in my early 20s and i have a lot of um connection to medicine i had a um diaphragmatic hernia when i was born and required life-saving surgery Mm -hmm. and that was like kind of getting my brain working on like how did the surgeon fix me like what was wrong with me and like that whole thing and um, my mom's a nurse and been around medicine so I I took care of like sick grandparents Mm -hmm. um helped with that kind of stuff and it just I don't it, like it crushed me the first time I didn't get in, but I know the mistakes that I made. Yeah. I really, really focused and tried soup like, I couldn't have tried harder to do my best on this last application and like still didn't get in. Yeah. So it's just.
0: Yeah. So let's, let's reflect a little bit. Well, number one, you didn't answer my question. Where, where do you want to go? Right. <laughs> it, it sounds like your answer without you saying it was you you want to go to medical school still.
1: I've been telling people I don't, but like why? I don't know. It, <laughs> it's easier for my brain to like reconcile like this is a thing that I tried and failed at and now I just need to like figure something else out.
0: Yeah. That you did, you didn't you didn't fail. You you interviewed. You were rejected. You didn't fail. Yeah. Rejected. <laughs> <laughs> rejection hurts right yeah. it's it stings so I, I remember my first application cycle those those two interview invites two rejections post interview it's like i'm never gonna be a doctor you don't think i'm gonna be a good doctor you think i'm terrible um but that's not what they were saying right they were saying not us not this year yeah all right was the you said you interviewed um, at another school in 2016 as well. Was it the same school or a different school? It
1: was the same school. Yeah.
0: Okay. So I'm assuming you're an Arizona resident. Yeah.
1: So I'm born and raised in Arizona.
0: Okay. So so there's some state ties there, and they're maybe giving you some benefit of the doubt. I don't know. I don't know if you know. It's like, oh, we're it's a it's a pity interview. Do you do you know if they they give interviews to uh, the majority of their in state applicants?
1: Uh, I know that they do, but then they also said, um, you know, in the pre-interview kind of like walkthrough. That if you're here, well, it was like the day before, sorry. so it was like they do like a little um, question and answer thing before yeah. the actual the interview, which I did go to. And they said, if you're here, you deserve to be here. We only interview people that we think okay. we would. Get. Okay. So that's what they said. I don't know if.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and usually, actually. usually that's true. I, I do know of at least one state school. Um, that's a, that's a smaller state than Arizona. So it's, it could be different uh, where they'll, they interview every in-state applicant period, no matter yeah. what. So um, I don't
1: think they do that. Um, yeah. At least I said they, they don't do that.
0: But. Yeah. I don't think they do, but uh, I just, I just want to right for, for clarification, right. It should tell you that there's something in your application that they like yeah, and then there's something with your interview that uh, potentially, potentially goes off the rails, or this year uh, it just didn't work out for whatever reason. It just didn't make the cut. So if if you could reflect on your application, what do you think it is that uh, is not getting attention from other schools that that you think? Uh, Arizona is either overlooking or giving you the benefit of the doubt because you're an in-state applicant. What, what in your application do you think is the weakest part of your application?
1: I would say it's probably gaps in uh, like a a combination of things, gaps in experiences. um, My MCAT score, uh, I struggle with standardized tests. My um, first MCAT score, which I was the first group of kids to or not kids, but, you know, people to take the new MCAT. Um, and I got a 504. Okay. And then when I took it in um, 2022, 2021, um, I got a 503. Okay. And so I know my MCAT score is not, like, the worst that they've seen. It's still, it's not fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and my um, cumulative um, GPA was a 3.39, like, undergrad. Okay. And for my MPH, it was like almost a 4.0. I got like a 3.92. Okay. Um, some of the science, um, like the points went towards my cumulative science GPA. So it got like it brought it up just a little bit, but a tiny bit. Like, yeah. Yeah. Not like a huge amount.
0: Okay. So your stats aren't fantastic. So that's probably holding you back a bunch. Yeah. Um, what about activity wise? You mentioned some, yeah. some <laughs> clinical stuff.
1: So. I worked as a scribe for about five years consistently um, with the same clinic. Um, I worked with a orthopedic surgeon and a podiatrist. Mm -hmm. um, And I also got to shadow like surgeries and do other cool stuff with them. I did a medical mission in El Salvador Mm -hmm. with one of the surgeons that I worked with, um, which was really uh, an amazing opportunity. Um, I have some hospital volunteering hours, not a tonne but some, um, I have a lot of my artist stuff. So I have like professional um, performing uh, Mm artists, people I've worked with in the town, in um, Arizona. And then as a coach, so I I taught aerial and dance. And then um, I was an administrative assistant for a year. It was just just kind of like in between, like right after I got um, done with my MPH. Mm -hmm. And then I have like a lot of my hobbies on there. Okay. Um, so I was a painting instructor, and I did Muay Thai, and I went to Thailand to backpack for like a month, and I did like some tutoring stuff in college. Which, okay. Again, was like my yeah. first um. You know, a few years ago.
0: Yeah. What? And some
1: opportunities.
0: When is the last clinical experience that you've had?
1: Technically, it's the crisis volunteering. Okay. Um, so that's, I don't think i did I mention that?
0: You, you yes. mentioned it earlier. Yeah. But not, yeah, not I in this after, recently. After my
1: husband died. I like couldn't, just couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. Um, I got some hours. I was planning on getting like the full, you know, 100 hours, um, but then I couldn't continue. Yeah. I think obvious reasons. but Okay. Um,
0: yeah. So I, I think that, Uh, That also is a big potential red flag is your scribe experiences from many years ago, right? Um, And your most recent clinical experience is pretty weak clinical experience. It's not direct interaction with patients in a clinical environment. Um, I think COVID kind of shined this light on crisis text hotlines um, and suicide hotlines in the fact that why aren't we calling this clinical experience, right? Doctors take care of patients um, virtually. And so why, why isn't this clinical experience? And so I think there was a shift to say, let's call this clinical experience, but I I still don't think it's great clinical experience. And so- that could be another big issue with your application, right? And and without looking at your application right now and seeing the story that you're telling and trying to understand exactly why you want to be a doctor, my biggest fear always with students similar to yourself who don't have a lot of clinical experience or don't have recent clinical experience is number one, is it looking like a checkbox of like, okay, check. Like I, I got my scribe experience, I got plenty of it. I'm done. I don't need to do any more, but trust me, I, I want to be a doctor. I want to be in this environment. But number two, if you don't have a lot of recent experiences where you're directly interacting with these patients, how good of a story are you telling to the person reading your application to the interviewers about why you want to be a physician? how how can you reflect on these experiences when they're so old and with the, the text hotline stuff so kind of separate from the actual human interaction? How are you able to, to portray in your writing and in your interviews about why you're here and what's drawing you to medicine? And to me, that is probably the biggest disconnect you have in your application, right? Besides again, a little bit on the weaker end stat-wise, but what's the story there? And why are you only getting one interview?
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I will say when I was scribing, I was like cross-training as an MA. Mm-hmm. So I got to pull again, they're old stories, so that's they're not recent. Um but I was able to pull from Experiences of like doing dressing changes on wounds. Um, I got to help remove sutures. I was doing um, like diabetic nail care, pretty regularly and routinely um, for like the older diabetic patients. And so I was, I was able to pull like stories from those experience where I was. It was just me and the patient in the room, hmm. um, getting to like work on them, whatever that was, yeah. um, and listening to their stories and. I love like listening to people's stories. And that was a big thing that I mentioned in my application was just.
0: Yeah. And and so let's, let's, let's talk about that, right? Listening to people's stories. Does that mean you need to be a doctor? No. No, no. Yeah. So it's really interesting, right? When, when I'm reading an application and, and students talk about listening to people's stories or relationships relationships is a big one. Like, I love the relationships. Like, okay, great. Go have lots of relationships. You don't need to be a doctor to enjoy a relationship with someone, right? Whether it's romantic, platonic or whatever. Um, yeah. The Those types of reflections are super, super, super weak connections to medicine. Those are very superficial connections to medicine. So we have to keep digging a little bit deeper and keep digging a little bit deeper is what is at the core of what you're doing? Why is that making you want to be a physician? You're applying to medical school to be a physician, not to have relationships and hear people's stories. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I've heard you say that, like I've watched so many of your videos. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. And- it was oddly enough, and I mentioned this in my application too, the nail care specifically because it was one of the, I should have more experiences, but one of those really special experiences that I had personally with patients where it was like what I was doing directly like helped them. Mm-hmm. Like they left the clinic better than when they came in and it was because of the job that I was able to do for them. And it's, and it it seems not silly, but just like not as exciting just because like i'm trimming nails you know but yeah. like these really if you know like about diabetics feet and like how they really have to like watch what they're doing it can get really dangerous for them i've seen these same patients with infections because they didn't come in and get their nails clipped yeah. or try to do it themselves and so that was that was like the uh a really big turning point for me was having that direct care um yeah. for and granted, yeah, there there weren't enough of those.
0: Like yeah. that is one hundred percent. Yeah. Exactly. So what is what is the opportunity? Right. Again, your desires to be a physician. Let's get you into medical school. What is your availability to get more clinical experience now, and, and not like a full time job, like being a scribe, but a day a week or a day every couple of weeks, where you're doing something where you're interacting with patients.
1: Yeah, I was gonna ask you if this seemed like a good idea. Um, so after my husband died, I had I learned a lot about just what happens when someone dies, and you know it was the first time that I was just like the person who was doing everything like after someone died, um, and there was a lot of shortcomings with like end of life care and like it just got my brain going with with that kind of stuff um and i looked into death doula um certificates and so they're kind of like a birth doula but for when people are dying mm-hmm. uh like if you know they're dying it's not like yeah. you know and, um they come in help the family help the person who's dying do the things that they need to do to help make the death easier mm-hmm. and like help guide them into their dying process. And yeah. to me, that felt really beautiful and it kind of touches my heart. And like, I would want to do that. And, and I think it would show that that's something that I'm passionate about, but I also would be like clinical and actually working with um, patients and medical um, professionals.
0: Yeah. Uh, it sounds amazing. It sounds authentic. Yeah. Um, Uh, I think you would just have to check your ability, right? Uh, Your compassion and empathy and emotions, whether or not you can handle that. Death is obviously a very powerful thing in people's lives as you have experienced. And is that something that you're going to be able to... To handle, and some people handle it beautifully, and some people really struggle with it. So it's just something you're just going to have to check in with yourself to make sure that you're okay with it. Um, my one potential concern is is what does the training process look like to do that, and how long is it, and what's it going to take to to get there? Um, one potential thing is if that looks really great, but it's a three month long training process can you can you also kind of in the interim do some hospice care stuff where you're not necessarily doing things with the patient, but you're just with the patient and and family supporting them kind of in this adjunct way while you're getting some, some training to get the certificate to do something a little bit more as well.
1: Yeah, I can definitely do that because um, my daughter is in preschool full time now. And now that things have, there was a lot that I had to do in this last year um, just with everything, um, and my husband, um, late husband, uh, and so it's kind of calmed down now, and yeah. I have time during the day to, to do something like that, and that's why, like, this interview could not have come by like, a better time, because I'm, like, just at the point where I feel, like, good enough to, like, do things and, and make plans and, um, come up with things that are going to help me for my future, because, like, yeah. I mean, I have to now, but, yeah. Um, and next spring, so I'm actually starting another undergraduate degree in the spring. I know. I, why I, I, follow my thought process. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Let me explain. Um it's a BSE, so a bachelor's in science and engineering and chemical engineering. Um I I know, just again, just <laughs> I promise it, I think it makes sense. Okay. Um my math Core math skills um, were super lacking, and I know that's one of the biggest reasons why I didn't do that great on the MCAT. And so I'm like, these are my goals: like boosting my math skills, boosting my physics skills, and also getting the opportunity to take courses again, like audit courses. So I'm auditing um, general chemistry, um, the you know the first one next semester, and then the one after. So just like hammer in and really get super nice and fresh when it comes to all of those science um, subjects that are on the MCAT um, with my math, with the physics, and also hopefully raise my undergraduate GPA a little bit. Um, So that was like kind of my thinking. And then I was like, I guess if med school doesn't work out, I'm in a program (laughs) to like, that's, that's my
0: concern, right, is, is yeah. you're basically picking another career right now. Yeah, I know. You, you don't need another degree. Sure, take some, take some undergrad classes if you want a semester or two of, of as high of uh, a GPA as possible to show some upward trend. But but you don't need to jump into engineering classes to improve math skills. M- math is minuscule on the MCAT. Math did not hurt your MCAT score. Right? It it didn't. There there are tricks for math on the MCAT where you don't need to do any math. It's just a lot of estimating and and kind of understanding units. You need yeah. to do better on the MCAT. And and sure maybe understanding physics a little bit better may help you there, but that just comes with doing practice tests and reviewing and going over core concepts and understanding and doing more questions and more questions and more questions. You don't need a whole nother degree for that. And, and I, I worry that going down this other path is, is going to be a distraction for you that may ultimately hurt you more, right? Engineering is not an easy degree, and, and you're just gonna dig yourself a deeper hole, which, and this is why I talk about not having a plan B all the time, it's, it's ultimately uh, kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy of I, I'm gonna do this extra degree to hopefully increase my chances of getting into medical school, and uh-oh, I'm really struggling with these engineering classes, and I don't think I'm gonna dig myself out of my GPA hole. Uh, but you know what Cs C's equal degrees and being an engineer I can get a C and that's fine and so I'm just gonna stay on this path and go down this way
1: yeah and I, I know I've heard you say that before. and it's
0: <laughs> and it's not cheap right to go go get this whole other degree it's gonna be cheaper to get an MCAT tutor
1: yeah yeah and so without what well, we're talking about the MCAT I had questions on like accommodations for because I was gonna try to get accommodations for it um because when i took it like at home with no time restraint or like longer time mm-hmm. um i always i was doing like 10 to 15 points better like every time so i was like um i'm so excited to to take the test i felt super ready and um And I got like not a great score and I was just so disappointed because I was doing so much better on the, on the practice tests. Yeah. So have you talked to anybody who's gotten accommodations and that if they did, was it helpful? Is it worthwhile to actually like get all the paperwork and, and go that route?
0: Well, I'm not even going to answer the question. I'll flip it back on you. What's the harm in going that route? I guess there's no harm <laughs> <laughs> It's 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 a painful process. The double AMC makes it I mean. extraordinary extraordinarily painful. And if you okay. don't have all of the tests and requirements and documentation that they require, it takes time and money to go do all of these things that they require to get the accommodations. But if that's what you need, then go yeah. do it. Yeah. Right. And you've kind of already proven mm-hmm that outside of standard testing, uh, time environment, you do better Then why not try and get accommodations for that stupid test. Yeah,
1: I've taken it three times now.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. You can take yeah. it up to seven. So you still got some time
1: yeah,
0: true. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody wants to take it more than that. But yeah, I, it, it is what it is, right? Go, yeah. go get accommodations. If that's what it uh, it's going to take i th- I think ultimately the question you have to ask yourself is do i want to be a physician or not and if the answer is yes throw out this other degree sure maybe take some some extra classes to boost your gpa a little bit or at least the trend right mm-hmm. you already have your degree you have a, you're going to have a ton of credits your denominator so big that the math just isn't gonna to go in your favor in terms of increasing your gpa but your trend will help right yeah yeah. But but going down this path of a whole nother degree that in case medicine doesn't work out, then you'll be an engineer or whatever. I, I I think that is just putting yourself on a path to to not be a doctor when ultimately you do want to be a doctor. And so don't start going down this other path yet because you don't have to. Yeah. Nobody is saying you can't fight, get into right? med school. So we just need to work on... Number one, your MCAT, and if that means getting accommodations, let's get some accommodations. Uh, potentially a, a small increase in your your GPA trend. And then let's work on your story, right? Let's get you an application academy, um, uh, and and I'll, I'll get you access to application academy. You can work on your story uh, with a group of other students and submit stuff for review and work on your interview prep and storytelling and and get some more recent clinical experience. And, and let's figure out how to apply to medical schools. Are you, are you applying broadly to MD and DO or?
1: So you're going to be mad, but I didn't, to MD, yes. I didn't apply to DO programs because when I was first, well, I heard from someone, which apparently is not true, that you need a letter of rec from a DO in order to, yeah. I found out a little too late uh, and I looked to see if I could make it to like, when I found that out, I was like, what? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it's it's mid-November as we're recording this. You theoretically could submit your DO application now and have a really good shot still. Why not submit to the, the there's two Arizona DO schools, right? There's Midwestern and... Yeah, ATSU, SOMA. Uh, yeah. yeah.
1: You're lighting a fire.
0: <laughs> Something to think about. All right, your MCAT score is not expired yet. Uh, I, I think why not something to think about.
1: It definitely is. Do you have time for one more question? One more. Okay. Sorry. I know. Um, part of my story and what I'm struggling with is a huge part of it is realizing that I'm autistic and how that's affected my entire life. Mm -hmm. And, um, I was told by like everyone to not disclose that. Don't talk about it on your application, not in your personal statement. And to me, it felt like super inauthentic because, like, that is my story. That's part of who I am. Of course, it affected why I want to be a doctor. So, how can I not talk about it? And like, what do you think is that a huge red flag? Like, should I?
0: I mean, that's, that's my answer, right? You're using my language in your question of if, if it's a part of if it's a part of why you want to be a doctor, then you probably have to mention it. I think what, what you can do is try to counteract the initial bias that comes with mentioning that you're on the spectrum, right? I, I think when someone, if you were to close your eyes and say, picture someone with autism, it would not be you right? Yeah. Someone watching this video right now would go, oh, you don't have autism, right? And and obviously that's a very, we don't want to say that to people who are diagnosed with autism, but that's a very common reaction with with someone who is not very far on the spectrum, right? This is why it's a spectrum. We have nonverbal autism and we have, whether we call it high-functioning or whatever the, the language is that we use for for people who are just barely on the autism spectrum. Right. And, and I, yeah. and, And so I think at the end of the day, what you can potentially do is when you talk about being diagnosed, uh, on the spectrum is, is talk about how it was a late diagnosis because of X, Y, and Z. And, uh, again whatever language you you choose to use to try to get someone who's reading this to not picture right the mm-hmm. the I can't look in your eye kind of autism I'm nonverbal kind of autism I'm I'm socially awkward autism right because ultimately that spectrum of of autism is going to potentially bias someone reading your application Remember, they're not interacting with you for a long time until they invite you for an interview and then you have that conversation and then they could go, okay, I can have a conversation with you because ultimately, right? And, and I, I don't know, I, I may be making some people mad with how I'm talking right now, but but ultimately at the end of the day, the, the role of being a physician is being able to communicate with patients and colleagues. and And there are people with autism who their autism prevents them from having effective communication skills, right? And and that is going to be hard to be a physician. Mm-hmm. And so if when you are writing your application, if you can write it in a way that that clearly shows and, and helps them not picture the worst, then I would go for it.
1: Yeah, that was kind of what my gut was saying. And I... Went against it just because I had so many people, like a yeah. pastor of admissions so that I, I talked to and worked with. So she was like, "Don't do it." And so I was like, "But yeah, I don't think I can have a, a choice. I have to be authentic." And so,
0: yeah, I, I think there's a way to do it that that makes it work. Uh, I had someone recently on the podcast, uh, the pre-med years podcast, uh, mm-hmm. openly talk about his autism diagnosis in his application. Everyone told him not to. Uh, it probably hurt his application, um, but he got into medical school. So there, there was one medical school out there that took the chance on him, and and he's accepted. So I think, again, I think it's all on how you frame it and position it.
1: Yeah, yeah, framing in the, in the positives and what I can bring, what it it helps me like bring to people and, mm-hmm. um. It's part of, it's me, you know, it's, it's who I am. So yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, good luck. Uh, I wish you the best of luck. And uh, again, it's mid November. You potentially uh, check all deadlines and stuff. You could potentially, I'll look uh, right uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I could be speaking out of my butt, but, but I'm pretty sure the DO deadlines are much later. So there's, there potentially is, is chance there.
1: I am so thankful and appreciative for you doing this with me i can't like it's like so excited so thank you so much
0: you're welcome good luck thank you so much for joining me here on ask dr gray pre-med q a did you know that we record these live on facebook at 3 p.m eastern on most weekdays search for medical school hq on facebook and like the page To be notified. Don't forget to check out our amazing Facebook group, The Hangout, at medicalschoolhq.net slash group.